0: Hey, guys. What's up, Red Rocks? All right, I like this. Hey, can we keep the energy up? Welcome all of our Denver-based campuses right now. Make some noise. Our campus in Brussels, Belgium. Let's hear it for them. Our Austin, Texas location. And both of our guy Behind Bars campuses. We love you guys. Love you. And all of you. Welcome all of you. I want to welcome all of you. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being at church. Um, You're in the right place. I don't know if you believe that, but I believe that you are. You're you're not just here. None of us are here just to... To like go through a motion and, and check something off a list and do church and hear a speech and sing some Christian karaoke, right? Like, we are here, you are here because the God of the universe, I believe with all my heart, wants to speak to you over the next few minutes. Do you believe that? If you don't believe that, I'll believe it for you, okay? I, I, I'm, I'm so excited for this week, you guys. So excited to be here. My name is Doug Weckenman. If I have not met you, I pastor our uh, Red Rocks Church in Austin, Texas. And uh, yeah. I love it. We are a baby church, an infant church. Literally, this is our ninth week. Of church, okay, and uh, I bring you good news from Austin. It's been it's been amazing. God has been good. I uh, I, I've never felt this scared or this alive at the exact same time, and I'll take that combination any day. Um, But uh, it is such a privilege, man, to get to share Jesus with Austin through the Red Rocks Church culture. And guys, they're they're like actually responding in Austin. Our family is getting bigger. Your family is getting bigger, and so since this is your family, I was thinking. I could just tell you an update, but why tell you an update when we could show you an update? So please, enjoy this video. that's awesome. Hey, you know we get to do stuff stuff like that because of the prayers and generosity and open hands of you guys. And so, so thank you so much. Like we're making heaven crowded. Um, and it's because it's because of the people in this room at all of our locations, people who are so generous to be a part of a story even when it's happening on the other side of the country. And uh, and we get to do this stuff because we have leaders here who love to make heaven more crowded, not by t- not by playing it safe, but by uh, taking huge risks. And so Thank you, um, Parks and Sean and BZ and Scott. Love you guys so much. Can we make some noise for our leaders right now? Yeah. Not because they need it. They probably hate this, but you give honor where honor is due. Um, We are in week four of our relationship series, Mixtape. This has been a good series, hasn't it? My gosh, this has been a good series. I'm like intimidated to preach for week four, but I'm so excited, man. I believe uh, that Jesus is going to do something today. Uh, He's back from the dead, and that means anything is possible. And just to remind you, we don't just believe that he was a good guy who was a good teacher, who had some good ideas about how to love each other, who lived way back in the day. We believe that Jesus Christ is actually the Son of God and walked on this planet and lived a perfect (laughs) life and was crucified for it, but three days later walked out of the tomb that he borrowed and made a way for all of us to go to heaven forever and also showed us a brand new way to be human and part of showing us a new way to be human is showing us a new way to relate to each other. Jesus had some crazy ideas when it, came, when it comes to relationships. Matthew 22, starting in, in verse 37, this might be the most important thing he ever said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, right, to know and be known by God. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself to know and be known by each other, On these two commandments depend all the law and all of the prophets. And so we were created in the image of a relational God, put on this planet to know and be known by him and by other people, right? There's nothing more important in life than relationships, right? You can have billions of dollars, and I don't know this from experience, but I know because of Bible. You can have millions of dollars in bad relationships and still feel broke because there is no worse poverty on planet Earth than loneliness and people are the greatest assets that we have there is nothing that is more valuable than relationships i would be as bold to say this it is it is god's dream to enjoy healthy relationships with his kids while they enjoy healthy relationships with each other and the five letter cuss word that ruins all of it is shame and that's the direction that we are going today shame is lame Shame is to blame. I could just say Amen right there. No, no shame, no pain. That's all the rhymes I have. So I hope that's enough, you guys. Shame and guilt are not the same thing. Okay, guilt is I uh, I'm not okay with what I've done. Shame is I'm not okay with who I am. Maybe because of something that I've done or something that has been done to me. Shame is poison in your soul. It puts up walls. It makes you hide. And it separates us from God and separates us from each other. And that's why shame is at the root of all. All relational dysfunction can be rooted back to shame. And so there's a lot, of, there's a lot at stake here with this topic. Like the worst thing that there is to be is not saved The second worst thing to be is saved but not enjoy it because of shame. It's possible to be on your way to heaven forever one day and yet never fully be known and loved in this lifetime because shame is the very thing that keeps you in hiding. But I believe today, man, in the name of Jesus Christ, I've been praying this and I believe that for a lot of people in this room, listening online, our other rooms, God behind bars, I believe shame in the name of Jesus is about to bow and take its place beneath our feet where it belongs. Shame is lame. And freedom from it is the solution to a thousand different relationship problems. So here we go. We're going to call this message Stop, Drop, and Declare. Okay? You remember Stop, Drop, and Roll from school? Like you practice this in every single grade? You can't do your taxes, but you can Stop, Drop, and Roll like all day, right? You'll never forget it either. I, uh, I've never had to do it, thank God, and I hope I never do. But if I, if I have to, I can, I can stop, drop, and roll like any day, okay? I, I haven't had to use it yet. The closest I've ever been to being on fire, other, that's a funny way to start a sentence, other than burning my finger on some steam while cooking up some Annie's organic mac and cheese, right? Like, that kills, man. That freaking kills. I'm sorry, I'm trying not to say freaking in church. That chills doing that. It's almost not worth cooking up mac and cheese, right? You You want to know what else is not worth it because of the heat is hot yoga. Anybody done hot yoga in here? Oh my gosh, right It's basically for those of you who don't know, it's just stretching in a room that is hotter than the sun, okay So I did it a little while a little while ago, and I'm walking into hot yoga thinking like, this will be easy like I work out like once a, a, a week, you know I'm like a healthy guy. I love the heat. I moved to Austin, Texas for crying out loud like I walk in like with so much pride. they hand me two eight pound dumbbells. I'm like at, at, at 24, I lift. 10s, okay? Like this is a joke. This is gonna be easy. I actually thought that okay if you've ever done that if you've ever done it you know it's the most miserable thing that you can possibly do literally for an hour I was like God if you want to take my life right now I would be okay with that somehow transport me out of this room so I don 't have to make the 20 foot walk of shame past the 15 people I was just rolling my eyes at ten minutes ago right like I like sorry to be graphic but if you've ever had the stomach flu I, I've, I have memories of having the stomach flu and being on the floor in my bathroom all night like literally praying like god if you want to kill me now you can kill me now and like you genuinely mean it right like that's how you feel in hot yoga you're right you're like god get me out of this room get me away from these eights that feel like 80s right like when do we do the stop drop and roll pose because this room is on fire right like it's on fire it's so it's so hot and uh and uh, in Southern California, in November, so this was just recently, they saw some of the biggest fires that the the state has ever seen, and uh, literally like acres like miles and miles my parents house is, is like right next to it, and their house is okay, but we were we were there for Christmas, and we drove through the aftermath of these of these fires, and it was just like devastating seeing the the, the damage and the destruction that fires left in their wake, right? Like we, we drove through mountain after mountain of charred earth and burnt homes and, and burnt trees. And I was prepping for this message and, and I felt like God just put that imagery in my imagination just so clearly and said, what, what fires did to those mountains is what shame does to relationships, Shame is like fire. Shame is not from God. It is straight from the pit of hell, which is why it's like fire. It has one agenda, and that is to isolate us and to separate us from God and from each other. It has one agenda. Shame is straight from hell. And it's been my prayer for this sermon that every time for the rest of your life, just like you will always remember to stop, drop, and roll, every time for the rest of your life, whenever you feel the heat of shame, You will remember from this point on to stop, drop, and declare, right? In honor of our mixtape series, to stop in the name of love, to drop it like it's hot, and to declare. I don't have one for declare, but shout, twist and shout, I don't know. Stop, drop, and declare because... Freedom from shame is the solution to a thousand relationship problems. And I want to show you where it comes from. If you have your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2, all the way back to the beginning, we are going to start in verse 18. I'll give you context as we go. But here we go. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So it's just Adam at this point. And I picture Adam, he's the only human being on the planet, and he's sitting on a rock just naming animals for years. All right? So just... Elephant, kangaroo, I don't know, flamingo. And God's like, okay, this guy needs a friend. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is suitable for him. And really quick, I just want to press pause. That phrase suitable helper has historically kind of been hijacked out of context to, to, and wielded as a weapon to say that men are, are superior to women. But because of where we are in history, I just want to read you this quote because it says it better than I could ever say it. Here we go. The phrase suitable helper certainly sounds sexy as if women were created to serve men and all of their wants and needs. But the word translated helper is the Hebrew word ezer, and it's almost always used of military help, and it's most often applied to God's actions toward Israel throughout the Old Testament. So since God is called Israel's quote-unquote helper, the word certainly does not imply inferiority or weakness. And right there is where you would do a mic drop, except I didn't write it, I just read it, which is not as cool cool but let's keep going verse 20 but for Adam no here it is suitable helper was found so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep take away there. naps are holy naps from naps are from God and for some of you the holiest thing that you can do this week is not even to read your Bible it's to take an hour-long nap because we live in the age of exhaustion right you can clear something out of your schedule to go to sleep for an hour, okay? I promise you. Like, and, and if we don't do it like, voluntarily, sometimes God will force us. He's literally about to give Adam the divine sleeper hold, right? Like he's on the rock, sneaks up behind him. Shh, 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 sh, shh. <laughs> While he was sleeping. While he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. So this is the very first wedding in all of history. And skip forward to verse 25. It's probably the greatest verse in the entire Bible. And here it is, Adam and his wife were both naked and they both felt no shame. Naked, not just physically, but in every way possible, right? Like before sin, was in the dictionary, there was nothing to hide from. I don't know if you can imagine that, but reality for human beings was just being fully known and fully loved all at the same time. Tim Keller says, to be to be loved but not fully known is comforting but superficial. To be fully known but not loved is our greatest fear, but to be fully known and fully loved at the same time is a lot like being loved by God, and that's how this whole thing started, and one day that's how this whole thing is gonna, is gonna f- finish, but shame undoes all of it, and, and regardless of what you believe about Adam and Eve, like if you, if you think that this was historical, and for the record, I do, or if you think this was allegory and you have a hard time with like the talking snake thing, like hey, I I get it like we have no eyewitness accounts of a talking snake, we do however have 500 plus eyewitness accounts of people who saw Jesus die and then hung out with him a few days later okay, and so I get it but don't throw away the whole Bible and Christianity because you don't know what to do with an apple or a snake okay, because here's here's what I can promise you, regardless of what you believe about this story. The outcome of this story is true. And the outcome of this story is irrefutably your current reality because you know what sin is and you know what shame is and you know what it means to hide. And there was a time in human history where that was not the case for mankind. And now it is. And if 224, 225 is the best verse in the Bible, Genesis 3 7 is the worst because they take a bite of the fruit. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were both naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. And so this went from eternal honeymoon with God and each other in paradise, right? To all of a sudden they are running and hiding. And you can make a strong case that human beings have been running and hiding ever since since this moment. Because the Bible was supposed to be this long. It was, this is how long human beings were awesome, right? This was supposed to be our guide for relationships. We were never supposed to need a relationship series to help us love each other better, right? This was supposed to be it. But there's something about shame that makes such a mess, of everything as far as relationships go, and now this is our manual, not for how to be naked and unashamed, but how to bear with each other, and forgive one another, and give each other the benefit of the doubt, right, this is now what we're left with, because all relational dysfunction, man, marriage, dating, friendships, co-workers, roommates, it it can all be traced back to shame and we could pass this microphone around right now and tell horror stories war stories about the first time in our lives that that shame entered our souls either from the things that we've done or the things that we've looked at right, or the relationships that have failed, marriages that have failed, things that other people have done to us, right, that have made us feel less than or, or left us feeling abused or rejected, like, like there's something wrong with me and I just want to hide and I want to take 10 showers to get something off of my skin that just will not come off. Shame is like the stomach flu for your soul, It really is. It's like the stomach flu for your soul, and we'll do anything to not feel it. You'll sell out on your morals for an hour just to not feel shame and be numb to it just for a little bit. We'll distract ourselves with stuff like ambition and success and popularity to try to control the outcome. Like, I'm not okay with who I am right now, but I will be... And I'll show them, right? Like whoever whoever them is, I'll show them, right? Like we project images of the the man or the woman we want to be who doesn't have shame on Instagram and there's nothing wrong with social media unless it's your fig leaf, right? Shame isolates and makes you feel like you're the only one who's going through what you're going through, when in reality, it is probably the thing that we have in common with each other more than anything else. We're in this together. We are in the same boat when it comes to this five-letter cuss word. My wife and I, um, Sam and I met uh, on a mission trip and uh, started dating, and then we broke up a month later on Valentine's Day. That was my bad. Um... (laughs) And then a month after that, we got back together on another mission trip. And I know how Christian this sounds, okay? I'm aware of that, but I'm not sorry. It's our story, okay? And when things started getting, like, serious, that's when we had the talk. And some of you just shuddered because you haven't had it yet, and you probably should have. The sexual history talk, right? Now, my wife, Sam, she, uh, she took purity um, very seriously growing up. She fought to stay pure and to, to not settle. She fought for it, which ain't for the faint of heart, right? Like, young people in here who are on the fence right now about whether or not to have sex. There's a lot of things about my wife that I find sexy, a lot of things, okay? But the fact that she valued God and herself that much to not settle and fight for purity when nobody else was, I mean, that tops the charts, man. I'm telling you, that tops the charts. (laughs) Fighting for purity in 2019 is not for the faint of heart. It is, however, worth it. I learned that the hard way. I do not have the same story as my wife. And uh, when things started getting serious between us, um, I, I think she always thought that one day I will marry a man who saved himself for me which is what I did for him. And she realized, if I marry this knucklehead, that's not gonna be the case. And it led to a lot of fights, you guys. Like, a lot of fights and a lot of dysfunction. And that's all right. Like, like being fully known and fully loved doesn't just happen without struggle, okay? Doesn't just happen without struggle, but it forced us. I'm grateful for it now because it forced us to get serious about what we really believe about Jesus and what we really believe about the things that Jesus said. Like, like I go to church. I'm a Christian. But when push comes to shove, do I really believe for me that I am a new creation and the old is gone and the new is here? Like, do I really believe that, or is that just a memory verse? Does that just look good on a T-shirt? Right? I, I like I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That that dug is literally gone, that's a former life, and I'm, I'm new, not just spiritually, but physically as well? Like, do I actually believe that? Because if you believe Jesus was just a good guy who taught some good stuff, then whatever. But if you believe that he was the son of God, then that comes with everything that he said. And what he said is that, no, you're new. You're a new creation, but I couldn't let myself off the hook for things that I'd done, right? And I think Sam looked at me, and she saw a forgiven guy And I looked at myself, and I saw a forgiven guy, that's easy, but a new creation, and this led to so much dysfunction. We were having uh, dinner with our mentors at the time. They're now our marriage counselors, Justin and Andy Mattat. And they have the uh, the marriage that we want 30 years from now. And so we get around them constantly. We like force ourselves into their lives. And there was one night we were having dinner with them. And uh, this was like, like one night a week, three weeks in a row. And the, the common topic that kept coming up at every dinner, because we talk life and love and relationships and Jesus. And we kept bringing up my past because we could not move past my past and there was one night i think it was like the third dinner in a row when justin like finally like stopped the conversation and the whole tone shifted and he said okay you guys have been human up to this point and that's good you've repented you've cried your tears and you have fought with each other okay now's the moment like he gave us an ultimatum you either drop this here And move forward, leaving shame behind, because that will be a cancer for your marriage. Or you leave each other right now. You break up right now. Because we were talking about engagement, and he said, okay, you want to move forward with each other. I believe that you want that. I believe that's God's plan for you, but you're carrying shame with you. And God is saying, where you're trying to go, that can't come. And so what are you going to do? You either drop it and never bring it up again, or you break up right now. Drop it and never bring it up again, or you break up right now. And I'm telling you, like, this stuff, just by the power of the Holy Spirit, just every once in a while, like, happens, because I'm telling you, there was something that released from our relationship that night. There was something that shifted and changed that night, because we we used to fight about that all the time, and we have not fought about it since that night, which was like six or seven years ago, right? Because, like, grace is that powerful, and when shame comes out of hiding, it dissolves in front of you, because we think grace is like, oh, that's like a churchy word, right? That's like a nice, neat word, but but, but grace is violent when it comes face to face with shame. Grace gets violent when it comes face to face with shame, because mercy triumphs over judgment if you let it destroy the shame that's in your life, and I'm telling you, like, what used to cause us so much pain and dysfunction, what used to bring tears, is now the subject of jokes that we tell on dates with each other. We used to cry about big mistakes in our past and now we laugh about them. I was in a counseling session. Um, My counselor, he's a guy named Gary Brugman. He uh, is uh, Chad and Scott's dad. And uh, he challenged me because shame was like the common theme of all of our meetings. And he just dared me. He dared me one day. He said, he dared me to just spend an entire session confessing my deepest, darkest stuff to him. (laughs) And call me crazy, but I did it. I think I was just like motivated by hatred for shame. Like, uh, Like eventually you just get sick and tired of walking around wearing a live free hoodie while you have so much shame in your heart at the exact same time. And I was just like, I was just done with it. And so I, uh, I went into his office, and I just spent an hour, just like, blah, like, like, the the stomach flew for the soul, like all of my fig leaves just all over the floor. And it was it was like R-rated version, not the PG version, right? Because you're wondering what he's gonna think. I was just like, okay, all of my like. My, my habits or sin patterns nobody knows about, like worries about the future, regrets about the past, all the reasons I sometimes feel like I'm failing as a pastor or as a dad or as a husband or as a friend. It's just all of it out, right? And I was I remember looking up at him after like an hour of this, so curious as to what he was going to do, and I'll never forget what he did. He looked at me, and he just started laughing. <laughs> and it was the greatest thing that any human being could have done. He just started laughing because I think God just laughs at our enemy. I really, do, I really do, man. Like, I can't prove this to you biblically, but like the Trinity getting together and telling jokes about how puny the enemy is, right? Darkness is only powerful until there's light. And, and I, knew, I knew freedom from shame after that meeting in a way that I, like for as long as I can remember hadn't known freedom from shame. Gary laughed. I think God laughs at darkness and not to say that God gives sin the wink and the gun like, oh guys, it's okay. I got this, like whatever, right? God takes sin seriously and that's why we take sin seriously but it's not because it's a problem for God. It's because it's a problem for us and the reason it's a problem for us is because it causes shame. Shame. It's a problem for us because it causes shame. And so if you, if, if, if where you're at in your story right now is you kind of use grace as like a get out of hell free card, like it's kind of your license to keep sinning and doing whatever because you know, oh, God's gonna forgive me anyways. Like he, he's not mad at you, but I'm here to tell you, you don't fully understand how good the gospel is. And that's why, that's why there, there's something in you like Adam and Eve that doesn't fully trust that God has your best interests at heart. You still think there, there's something he's withholding from me and I need to find it apart from him because he's here to take, not to give, right? And you're here because you don't fully understand the gospel and God's goodness and, and sin is your greatest hindrance. It's You're, you're looking for something and and you're, you're looking in sin, but that sin is the very thing that's hindering you from the thing that you're actually looking for. Okay, but but if you're if you're like um uh, uh, like that used to be my story, and I've I've tried that for too long, and it, like I've seen that it's exhausting and it doesn't work. And I believe, man, God, I think you are who you say you are, and what you say about me is true. And I'm chosen, and I'm not forsaken, right? And you're you're for me, and you're not against me. And I don't want this. I'm battling this. I want that to be like what I. Use. Used to do not what I still struggle with God I want more of you if that's you genuinely then I think your hindrance is actually shame because sin does not keep God from you but but shame keeps you from God okay and here's here's what I think about guys like Gary men and women like Gary because he's he's 72 he's been following Jesus for a while and he is the most free human being that I have met and talked to okay and and, and I think like he's just you know he's he's seen that and done that and struggled with that and he's seen God's goodness in so many ways and so now he has a clear vantage point of how much of a stupid mirage like waste of time shame actually is because for men and women like Gary I, I don't think they just got better at not sinning, I think they got smarter than shame at some point, right? I think you get smarter than shame. And as you get smarter than shame, and as you you're moving forward with God, and you can stop and you can drop it, then Jesus becomes more and more beautiful. And the more beautiful Jesus becomes, the less and less tempting all of this becomes over here. Shame is the hindrance, right? Like you might think that you've gone too far and you've somehow ruined God's plan for your life, and He He's like shocked at your ability to sin, right? And, and like you've you've done too many dark things or looked at too many dark things, and and you've somehow ruined his plans for your future, and I just want to tell you, and I hope this just frees something inside of you, you are not that powerful. You are not that powerful, and you need to get over yourself and receive grace, because you're not that good. Even at messing up, you're not that good. Like, you think God is surprised by you? Right? You are loved, and it's not because you can perform accordingly. You're loved because God is who he says he is, and Jesus murdered shame by being murdered on a cross 2,000 years ago. Like, stop torturing yourself with your personal inventory of everything that's wrong with you. Jesus knew what he was purchasing on the cross. He's not surprised by your imperfections. You're not shocking him. And here's how you can kind of tell. Okay, I need like a gauge. And, Ben, you guys can come up. I need a gauge for how I'm doing with shame, how much I understand the gospel. The next time, the next time that you mess up or sin or fall or stumble or whatever you want to call it with whatever it is for you, we all got our stuff. In the immediate aftermath of that, let this now be an opportunity for you to gauge how much do I understand the goodness of God's love. In that moment... In that moment, how long does it take you to run back with confidence to the throne of grace? Because if you hesitate for even a second to do that, you still need more revelation of exactly how big and wide and far and huge the love of God is for you. If there's a moment's hesitation, you still need more revelation. It even rhymes, right? Because shame is logical and grace is not. That's why we get together every week and we preach grace and we sing about grace because grace is like a slippery bar of soap that's so difficult to hold on to because it's so illogical. But the more that you begin to preach it in your life, the more you begin to receive it over your life and the more it murders the shame that is in your life. And so here's how we'll finish. I've been praying. I don't want us to just like walk out of here smarter. I want us to walk out of here more free and closer to Jesus because we, we, we know we're, we, we're in danger of living in the time where we are the generation that is overtaught and underapplied. Because we have access to all the information about the Bible and about God just at our fingertips. And I'm like, God, don't let us, don't let this just be another sermon that we don't even remember a year from now. Let this change lives, God. Don't let us walk out of here the same, and I've been praying that just how you you'll, you remembered and you'll never forget stop, drop, and roll from when you were in elementary school, that from this moment on, you will never forget to stop, to drop, and declare every time shame comes knocking, like when you wake up and here it is, and the devil's whispering lies into your ear, that lie that you're not worth it, that you're not enough because you've done that or you've seen that because you've been abused or you felt rejected or because you got cut from the team or broken up with or because you're having a bad hair day, like big or small, whatever it is, like like that's the heat of shame, like fire from hell, and its only agenda is to isolate you and separate you from God and from people, and so when you feel it from this moment on, you stop, you drop, and you declare. You stop in the name of love. You drop it like it's hot and you declare because you are the most important preacher in your own life. You're the most important. Nobody talks to you more than you talk to you. And so what you say to you matters. And the part that you play are the words that you say. And so we're going to start activating the word of God in our lives by speaking the word of God in our lives. And so here's how we're going to do it just for this week. We're going to put this into practice and we're going to preach ourselves into truth. And so every day every day on the Red Rocks Church app and on our Instagram we are going to put up like in a, in a cool wallpaper creative fashion a new phrase or a new sentence and that is basically for you to take and declare over your life that day and if you do this every day by next week at this time you will have internalized not memorized but internalized seven mini sermons that you can now preach to yourself anytime that you need it and here's here's today's it is finished and I am enough. It is finished, and I am enough. If you remember one thing from this a year from now, make it that. It is finished, and I am enough. I am enough, and it is finished. Stop, drop, and declare. It is finished, and I am enough. Because you're not always gonna get that church service to build you up every time that you need it, but you, you don't need it anymore because you're your most own important preacher, and you can preach yourself into it. It is finished, and I am enough. It is finished and I am enough. You're not always gonna get that encouraging text message at the exact moment that you need it. But from this moment on, you can preach yourself into it. It is finished and I am enough. I don't feel it yet. I don't feel it yet, but I don't live according to what I feel. I live according to what's true. I'm not forgiven because I feel forgiven. I'm forgiven because God is who he says he is. And 2000 years ago, Jesus said, it is finished and you are enough. It is finished and I am enough stop drop and declare and for some of you this is gonna click just like that right But for some of us, this might take a long time of repetitive stopping and dropping and declaring, it is finished and I am enough because there is something about shame that is so sticky. But I promise you, if you stick with it, there is freedom in your future and there there will be a day when you will be on the other side of shame and you will be able to tell a testimony about one day I used to experience that until Jesus. It is finished and I am enough. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God is saying, I don't condemn you. And if I don't condemn you, then nobody can. And that includes you condemning yourself. It is finished. And I am enough. Church, will you stand up? (laughs) Freedom from shame is the solution to a thousand relationship problems. We are made to be fully known and fully loved. And oh my gosh, imagine what What relationships, what marriage, what dating, what friendships could look like for you if your soul no longer had the stomach flu? If you no longer had shame, if you no longer were sitting beneath the weight of it? Oh my gosh! What is possible if you dealt with it and in the name of Jesus told it to take its place beneath your feet and bow in front of him? Stop and drop and declare. Stop in the name of love. Drop it like it's hot and declare it even when you don't feel it. That's part of being a maturing Christian. Just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not true. We are called to live by what is true regardless of how we feel and especially on the days and the weeks or the year that you don't feel it. That's when it's most important to declare it because as you declare it, I promise you the feelings will catch up with you. But as a bonus, That is your reason to follow Jesus. So God, we love you. And God, I thank you so much for a church to call home, and I thank you for everybody hearing this message right now, God, and I'm just going to trust, Holy Spirit, that, that you're going to take words that were said and just seal them into the hearts of people who were listening. And in the name of Jesus, I just tell shame to be gone right now. Guilt and condemnation, you have no spot in this church. In the name of Jesus, be gone. And Holy Spirit, wherever shame vacates, I pray that your spirit would fill those vacant spaces right now, God, in the name of Jesus Christ would you show us what it means would you show us what it means to live free would you show it what show us what it means to be on the other side of shame would you show us just how violent grace can be when it comes to sin and when it comes to shame God show us what is possible for our lives we love you so much and we give you these songs and we pray these in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and everybody said amen Red Rocks Church let's worship